I just love the Word of God. And, um, you know, I before Brother David came and did the revival, I just felt like I was having a, I don't know how else to describe it, but just a block, just a writer's block, as they call it, or just, you know, I just really struggled and, and, uh, um, and the Lord really touched me. He's ministered to me in a powerful way. And um, uh, I just, I'm so grateful that he just kind of opened up the floodgates, amen, and the river. And, uh, and, and the Lord, you know, he really put upon my heart, he said, you know, don't, don't, don't get up there and try to, you know, you study and you, and you, and you prepare and, and, and you read a lot as a pastor and, and I have a tendency to come up and, and, you know, and just take everything and, and it just the whole wheelbarrow load and dump it on you. And God said, just go up there and just preach to people, amen, that are just lay people sitting in that church, amen. You're not preaching to pastors. Get up there and preach to them, minister to them. And uh, you get excited when you study and you come and you bring these deep, deep thoughts. And sometimes people go, huh? And, you know, I don't want you to go, huh, like that. I want you to say, yay, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. And so um, this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And uh, we're going to read one portion of Scripture, and we'll, revert, we'll come back to this at the latter part. But um, I was in prayer this morning, and... Um, uh, I just got down and I said, Lord, you know, I need a, a message because a message that is very broad, I don't mean the way uh, broad in the sense that it's compromising because uh, Jesus said straight is the gate and narrow is the way and broad is the way that leads to destruction. I'm not talking about that kind of broad. I'm talking about being able to minister to babies, to people that are somewhat mature, to people that are very mature, and then to people that also don't know the Lord at all. And you have to have a message that just begins to paint a broad brush so it touches everybody and ministers to everybody. And I was down praying and seeking the Lord, and I had a couple uh, directions I was thinking about going. Um, I was going to finish what I started on Thursday night, but I may finish that Thursday night. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying this because it was me preaching it. It was totally God. But the thought of the incense and prayer being an incense unto God and the four components of that was absolutely brilliant in the mind of God to 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 have put that and brought that to me and uh, and through the study and just different resources that I have I'm not going to act like that you know it just came all to me but just through study but it's an awesome thought and if you weren't here on Thursday night you should watch it on the on the YouTube or on Facebook because uh, the 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 incense was made of four different components and we only got to two but they represent something and we we began to um to break that apart and just began to preach it and the lord just the anointing was there thursday night that's all i can say he was here on thursday night and uh it was just a, an awesome thought and you know uh, god gives that he's the he's the author of all brilliant thoughts we're just vessels amen you know, he's the substance that's poured out. We're just the vessel that houses it and he uses. And so I'm grateful for that. But as I was praying this morning and seeking God, uh, he began to give me a thought. 
uh, and um, and I thought, Lord, this is this is pretty, you know, it, it hits everywhere. And he said, you asked me to speak to you something that will minister to each and every person where they're at. And so I did that. I brought that thought to your mind. And so um, I, just like that, God gave it to me. And and uh, I've entitled this message this morning, Who is at the Door? I want you to stand with me as for the reading of the word. Who is at the door? Who is at the door? And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is speaking here uh, to John, the message to the churches, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. I know that this is him speaking to the Laodicean church, but and I'm not taking it out of context, but I'm using it as a foundation to speak something to you concerning who is at the door. So if you would pray with me this morning over this word, Father, We thank you for the time to come to worship you, to praise you, to worship you in our offerings and our giving unto you. And I ask you today, God, to speak through me, Lord, to this congregation. This body is your body, Lord. I'm an under-shepherd. You are the good shepherd. Uh, But, Lord, I love this body. I love this people sitting here. I pray for them, and I I have their best uh, spiritual well-being at heart. And Lord, I'm asking you today that you would just anoint these lips of clay and you would minister through me. And God, that that I would quickly get through this, God, and, and speak what you would have me to say so that, Lord, we can process it and we can, Lord, begin to cash in this altar, Lord, uh, that promissory note and the word that you give us in this message today. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I give you all the glory. Bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, yesterday I was at an engagement uh, a party where someone, a couple's uh, getting engaged or uh, they were celebrating that. And there was somebody that had asked me some time ago to go uh, and, and sing at their uh, relative's funeral. And, uh, and they brought that back up. I reconnected with them, and they brought that up to me. And they said, uh, you know, when I came to your door and I knocked on the door, I, I've, I've, I've knocked on so many doors in my life, but they said not to knock on your door, I just, I, I don't think I've ever felt more, uh, you know, uh, reserved or <laughs> to knock on your door and come, and, uh, you know, ne- more afraid or more, you know, nervous uh, to come and knock on your door. And I thought, Lord, I hope I don't put that off. My goodness, you know, I want to always let people know that there's an open door. You can come. I'm approachable, you know. But um, they said, you know, but I, I didn't want to bother you, and I didn't, but but I, I wanted you to come and sing at my mom's service and because I, I just... I just felt like that you would, uh, you know, minister and you would bring a peace, uh, the peace of God with you when you came, and you did, and uh, it was just so wonderful, and, and uh, they said to me, I even, uh, somebody videoed that time and that moment, and, uh, and I play that periodically, I play it at night whenever I go to sleep, I, pr- I play that, and I, I, I wish you, you know, could put some of your songs on CDs, and I said, I have CDs, I'll give you my CDs, uh, but I said, 
Um, praise the Lord. I'm so grateful for that. And God reminded me, he said, there are always opportunities where people are coming and they will knock on your door. They're going to cross your path and, and God's going to put them in your way or you in their way. And it's an open door for you and I to minister unto them. Because if there was not that connection or that encounter at a door where they're knocking or seeking for something from God, uh, you, if you didn't have that opportunity, then you wouldn't get the opportunity to minister to them. It would be lost. And so I, I, was, I was dwelling on that and thinking on that. And the Lord brought this to my, my mind uh, through uh, that uh, conversation that I had yesterday. And it just showed me God brings a lot of knocks to our door. And how we respond to them speaks and reveals and determines so many things. Okay? Now, in Luke 16, verse 19 through 31, I want you to turn there with me. Because I, uh, I just want to bring out a few uh, places in the Bible where there was somebody brought to somebody's door and, uh, and, and how they responded, uh, you know, showed how God could be used or be limited. And uh, in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, the Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking, and he said, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, Luke 16, 19. And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, which is the door, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. In other words, he got nothing from the rich man, but the dogs licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, yes, hell is a real place. And in hell, the rich man who did not respond to the tormented Lazarus lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and, see, and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. You know, I want to stop for just a second and say we're not living in eternity yet. That there's going to come a point in time when what is now is going to be past and what is eternal is going to be our present and ever con continual eternal life. And we need to live our lives looking to that and preparing for that time, not for this time. You understand what I'm saying? We prepare for a lot of things people prepare for their their college education, they prepare to be married, they prepare uh, for their careers, they prepare to buy a house, they prepare for their retirement, they prepare for all things upon this earth and then they take their last breath and they've never prepared for eternity, which is the most important preparation you could ever make 
or you should ever make because this life is just temporary. But he says to him, he says, you had good things in your life. He had evil things. Now he's comforted and you're tormented. And beside all this between us and you, verse 26, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Once you take your last breath, I don't care what anybody teaches you, the Bible says that's it. What you are when you die is what you are. That's what, where that tree lies when it falls, that's what you are. If you died in the faith, then you died in the faith. If you died in a bed of adultery, you died a sinner. Okay? So then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him unto my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Why did I bring this story up about the rich man and Lazarus? Because each and every one of us, amen, has an opportunity where there's going to be a knock from the destitute upon our door. And that knock, I can tell you, will either get a response that makes God happy and pleased, or they will get a response that uh, is a total opposite of the love of God. And we are called to respond to the destitute and have compassion upon them. The tragedy that I read here is that the dogs offered more comfort than the rich man. The dogs. I heard a lady preacher one time and she said, As a Christian I was going through one of the hardest times of my life. I was sick in my body. I believe she was battling cancer. And she had a, a blood disease on top of that. And she was just bedridden and she had nobody. Her husband had left her, no kids to help her. And she said, I was at the lowest point. Can you imagine being sick on a deathbed and having the husband that you were with leave and abandon you? She said, I had nobody. And she made this statement that, that, just, that just hit me in my spirit and it crushed me because it could be any one of us, church. But she said, she said, do you know that the church is not the ones that came and brought me food? She said, it was people in the world, people that weren't even saved, people that weren't even born again, did more for me and brought me food than people, than the church that were supposed to be the ones to be there to help me. Church, let it not be said of us, amen, that we do not do for our own or do for those that are of the household of faith, and the world has to step in to do what we're not willing to do. And when I say that to you, I'm saying there is a knock at our door. We're living in a time where the knock's going to come at the door. And how you respond is everything, means everything. In this parable, we see God's estimation or view or feeling. 
In other words, how God feels, how God sees it. Because it doesn't matter how you see it. You know, it doesn't matter how we view it. What matters is what God says and how God views it. His opinion's the only opinion that matters. Amen? His opinion. The rich man did not care to concern himself with Lazarus. He only saw what was in front of him. My life, right here, right now, there is a selfishness that goes on in Christianity that is appalling to God. And so he lived his life like this is all that matters. And you know what? He didn't even see his selfishness. But church, we have to evaluate ourselves and say, Lord, open my eyes and let me see. Let me see. Amen. Let me see. A lot of times we don't want to be put out to even help people in the church. But I'm going to tell you, church, that's our duty. That's our duty. There are people that need help at times. And we have to step up and we have to be a blessing to them. Amen. And I thank God for what we do do. I'm not here to crack the whip. I'm here to tell you that we are going to come to a point where there's going to be people, and I believe the very near future, where they're going to come knocking on the door and saying, I need help. And we cannot close the door to them. We cannot in our own hearts say, you know what? Be at peace and go and be warmed. It's, James said, if you know that there's something in your pocket, you, if you can fulfill that need, if you can meet that need, you know, don't tell somebody, well, I hope it all works out for you. I'll pray for you. When you've got the need in your pocket, you've got the substance in your pocket, the provision, help them for crying out loud. Be a blessing unto them. But the rich man didn't care. He never concerned himself with Lazarus. He was only concerned with what was in front of him. My life right here, right now. Yet in hell he saw afar off. See, the enemy wants us only to see right there in front of us. That's the selfish point of view. But eternally, you see afar off. So I'm saying to you today, let us begin to uh, store up treasures in heaven and not be so much concerned about here because eternity is what matters. And we have to see afar off and not just right here in front of us. Let us be a compassionate blessing while we can here. Let us begin to sow into the things of God and, and the things that please God because it matters for eternity. And I'm not going to quote this scripture, but in Matthew 25, he said, Jesus said, you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. In other words, when you fed that one that was naked, you fed me. When you, uh, I'm sorry, when you fed that one that was hungry, you fed me. When you clothed that one that was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, and I needed prayer, you came and you gave me that. When I was in prison, you visited me. Amen. The Lord just spoke something to my heart about somebody that's incarcerated right now. I received that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. He knows how to say, practice what you preach, preacher. All right. When they're in prison or they're in jail or they're in the hospital or they're naked or they need clothing or they need help, he said, when you've done it unto them, you've done it unto the least of these brethren, you've done it unto to me let that be what is said about us respond to the knock at your gate just like the friend of Luke chapter 11 verses 5 through 13 and I'm not going to read that but I'm just going to reference it 
in Luke 11 verses 5 through 13 there was a friend that went to another friend in the middle of the night and he knocked on the door who was at his door a friend not somebody he didn't know but a friend but even at that the Bible says that he said you know what Uh, I, I need bread I've got people that have come into town and I need something and I don't have any bread to give them. Would you please help me? I want to be a blessing. And he said, the friend said, well, you know, the kids are asleep and everybody's in bed and it's late. It's midnight. But he said, I need help. And he said, because of his importunity, because he kept coming and saying, hey, I need help. Please help me. He said he opened up his storehouse. He began to say, I'll give you that bread. This This reference in Luke 11 is totally opposite from the rich man in Lazarus. Jesus will never turn you away. God's people will never turn you away. What does that say about us? Am I God's people? I'm not going to turn somebody away, but I'm going to begin to respond to their need and respond to where they're at and their desperation. It's midnight and they're looking for bread. And if you read it in its context, at the end of that scripture, Jesus said, How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them which ask? Because the whole context of what he was trying to say in the parable is what we need from God, he will give to us to be a blessing to somebody else. And he said, there's going to be those people that are going to knock on the door. They're going to need God. And you have the bread of life. You have the bread of life. You and I have the Spirit of God. We have the love that they need. We have arms that will reach around them. And we cannot turn them away, but we must open the door and say, I have what you need and give it to them. Amen? Praise the Lord. In the time of greatest need, we must rise to the occasion to be a blessing and to serve And we have bread to give. We must have bread to give. What does that mean, Pastor? How can you give what you haven't sown to to give? Amen. How can you? How can you? When Elijah went down and said, make me a cake first, what he was saying is, what I need, you're going to have to produce. You understand? Yes, you have the meal. Yes, you have the oil. But you got to put it together and make me a cake first. What God is saying is spiritual people begin to do what they need to do to be a blessing how can you give somebody the word of God when you haven't sown to receive it for yourself how can I I, you can't place before them grain and oil and water and say well I hope that's a blessing no he said make me a cake first make me a cake put together amen that which is going to be a blessing have the knowledge of God read your Bible pray and seek God so that when they have a need spiritually you have what they need amen You have what they need. What are you saying? I want to stay here for just a moment because there's nothing greater than a big old piece of hot bread. Amen? And when people, hallelujah. We had warm pretzels. They come out and they're hanging them pretzels on a peg. I thought there's like 25 over there. I wanted them all. They were hanging them pretzels up, food. I thought, you bite into that. I thought, man, somebody prepared that. Somebody put that together. Somebody made that hot and ready. All of that. What a blessing. 
that's what God is saying to us. Spend time with me. Put in the effort, investment, read your word, so, and say, Lord, today... Before I walk out of this door, I want to make sure that I have some bread to give to somebody because you're going to bring somebody across my path. And I want to make sure in their midnight hour, in their lowest moment, in their darkest moment, when they have a need in their life, when they're saying somebody is calling upon me, what do I say to them? I've got something for you. I've got bread to give you. This is the word that God spoke to me this morning, brother. This is what he spoke to me. You know, funny thing, your problem, God gave me the, 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 the answer in the scripture. He began to speak that word to me. He gave the tongue of the learned, amen, to speak a word to the weary in due season. I, I sowed to that. You know, we go, I, I don't know what to say. I don't have a word from God for you. Why not? We must have a word. There have been times, I'm telling you, that I was spot on, right on. I'm walking in the Holy Ghost, just prayed and read my word, got up that day. It's a midnight hour for somebody. Amen. It's a midnight hour, and I had that bread in my hand, and you crossed paths with somebody, and you began to minister to them, and then exactly what you were reading is exactly what they needed. Do you have bread? It's midnight. There must be bread in your house, in your storehouse. Don't come to them empty-handed. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Always be ready to give them a response. Be instant, in season, out of season. I'm always going to be ready. I, not only am I going to be ready, but I'm going to have a heart. If I have a heart to be a blessing to somebody spiritually, I will make sure that I have what I have need of to do that. Because I've sown to it. Amen. Jesus never said, trouble me not, but he always ministered to the need. This scripture really speaks in two ways. To those coming to us, and us as believers seeking for something from God. When we go to the Lord and we seek His face, and He never sends us away empty-handed. Never. You say, well, He did to me. No, He didn't. Amen. He, that's not the way God is. That's not the way Christ is. The disciples were ready to send the people away hungry, but Jesus said, you can't send them away hungry. Well, what am I supposed to do? We don't have but just a few fish and a few loaves. We don't have even enough for, you know, lunch for one family. He said, then pray. Amen. Pray and watch as God begins to multiply what you've got. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I don't know why I'm staying on bread, but I'm going to stay here for a minute. But it come, it was, it was, it was, it was Big Bob, Becerra. Amen. Big Bob, Bonnie's brother. And he used to give me loads of bread from, I don't know if it was Millie's or Coco's or wherever it was, that restaurant over there that's changed 15 times. But anyway, in Brea. But now it's IHOP. But he, 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 he called me over, come over, and we'd load up that van, and he'd put in there, I don't know, sometimes 25, 30 loaves of bread. He said, take it to the church. And I ain't talking about day-old bread. It was good, thick Texas toast. 
You know, everything's big in Texas, you know. And so he had that big old Texas toast, put it in there. You can make French toast that just knock your socks off. Amen. But here, here I have all these crates of this bread. And Carlos Marina Larena is in the car with me from Mazatlan. And we're driving, and we pulled into Home Depot. I just got to run in there and get something. We pulled up, and he said, who are all these people? I said, well, I said, they're here. You know, in the country, really, illegally, they're here, but they're looking for work. They're standing here hoping that somebody will give them work. Well, he saw an opportunity. There's a door there. He opened that door and went to the back and opened the back door. And he said, bienvenidos. And he took that bread out, and he's passing that bread out to everybody, one loaf after another, passing them out. Here's all these men standing over there with bread in their hands and a shovel or a hammer and with their tools. And he's, he's telling them Jesus is the bread of life, and he loves you, and he's passing all this out. Amen. My Ford Freestar was free of bread. And he had 25 men in a circle, and he's got them in their hands, and he's praying. And, and some of them were praying the sinner's prayer. And I'm just looking at that, I'm going, man. You know, he just he saw a door, an opportunity, and he took advantage of it. So we got back in the car, and I, I didn't feel this way. I was just being funny, okay? We say, they say, well, there's a little element of truth in all of it. But, but I looked over at him, and I said, that was beautiful, brother. And he said, the Lord wants us to make disciples. And I said, yes, he does. And I said, you gave all my bread away. He said, Pastor Jonathan, the Lord will give you more, okay? Let's go. I'm so happy because on that day, there's going to be people that are going to come up and say thank you to him. For giving to the Lord. Amen. Sometimes we don't even see people right in front of us. It's like Louis Canchola said one time. He said, you don't have to go to Mexico to minister to Mexicans. They're all over this place. <laughs> Come on now. Well, moving on. There's those that come to us. In that scripture, and believers seeking for something from God, and as you seek for something from God, God will make sure what He gives to you, you can give and be a blessing to someone else. Someone standing at your door. Who's at your door? Is it a Lazarus? Is it a friend? Is it somebody that's in destitution and they're, they're needing compassion? Are they needing a miracle? Is it someone, amen, that's been left there as a beggar? I can tell you, there's people, they're beggars. They need God. We see their, uh, you know, external poverty, but God is trying to show us their spiritual poverty-stricken state. And then there's those... In the body and people that are Christians. And we need to do what we can do. Amen. I've had several people, because some people would say, well, you know, Pastor, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that are hustlers and scammers. I get that, but let me tell you something. And I've been scammed, and not for 10 bucks or 20 bucks. I've been scammed four, five, six times. You know, and it was it was a Benjamin Franklin or more, okay? But I've had people come in, oh, this is the best church in the world. I said, first time here, amen. First time you've ever been here. It's the best church you've ever been in. Praise the Lord. 
I need some money to pay my light bill. I'll be here next week. Never saw him again. Okay? But you know what? Let me tell you something. I did what God told me to do. Amen. I've paid light bills. I've paid for plane tickets to go to a funeral. We've paid everything you can imagine. There's so many things I even forgot. But God said you did it unto them, and one day they're going to stand before me, and if they didn't receive me as Lord and Savior and they lived their whole life as a hustler, they're going to be there on that day, and they're going to find out that they did not hustle God. He said, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You see, we must realize what we've got and who we've got, which is Christ. And what we can have in Him is awesome. <laughs> we have the very life, the very hope, the very power of God. And there is no limitation in God. So that means there's no limitation in us. There's no limitation in God, so there's no limitation in us. If we serve the great I am, not the great who was, but the great I am, amen. We don't serve the great who was or the great has been or somebody that was at one time or some heroic uh, historical person that did something great and, you know, awesome in their life, but they're no longer here. We serve the great I am who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still liveth today. Amen. He he who was, who, who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. He said, I was dead, but I'm alive again. Amen. Forevermore. I am he that ever liveth. And church, listen to me. We serve the great I am. There is no limitation with God. So that means there's no limitation in you and me. Whatever we have, whatever people need, God will supply through us spiritually, physically, whatever materially God will provide that he will use us as his instrument to be a blessing and to show his love and to show the truth and to bring people ultimately to him because that's what it's all about humanitarian aid is great but they need more than just humanitarian aid they need salvation we have this great salvation, this truth, the greatest gospel, the greatest good news, the good news, the greatest message that God ever gave to humanity, the great love story of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. In this parable, listen, there's no limitation in Him, which means there's no limitation in us. We have the fullness of the Spirit of God. Listen, we have the testimony of life. Amen. Don't walk around like a dead person. You're not dead. You're alive. You're in Christ. You have life. You have something they don't have. Amen. I, I sat by two people, talked to two different people last night. And, 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 you know, they began to get choked up as I was talking. I thought, Lord, I'm just sitting here talking. He said, you've got life. You've got life. And the anointing and the life of God is, 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 is it's touching them. It's touching them. Amen. Three people, not two, three people. 
You know, he said, take that life with you, minister, because there's people that need that life. They're going through horrific things in their life. They, they've just come through something. They, they need a hope. God will begin to use you. We have life. Amen. We have the testimony of life. The church is God's answer to a dead world. Amen. Christ in that church, don't get me wrong, I know he is the source, but we are the vehicle of expression to a world that's lost lost and undone and God gave the message and the hope in Christ Jesus and the power of God and the testimony of life amen that you don't have to be dead in your sins and trespasses but you can walk in victory and in life I read about a preacher that said to another preacher uh, that was going to conventions and being stirred up and encouraged and he said to him, one preacher said to the other, he said, what new things can these convention speakers tell you? Everything you need in the New Testament. And he said, he responded to him, he said, that's the trouble. We've left these things, the truth, the power, the reality of God in the New Testament. Yet we want to get them out of the New Testament and into our hearts and lives. We want to be that New Testament. We want to be that walking epistle. We want to be that example. We want to have that testimony of life. Amen. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is His body, His means of expression. And we must have a testimony of life. You know, I, I was reading this yesterday, and this is really where I, where I really got the, 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 the inspiration for my message. But in 2 Kings chapter 13, I love this. I love this. And uh, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 13, this is what happened after Elisha died. Elisha died, and uh, the Bible says in verse 20, and Elisha died, for 2 Kings 13 verse 20. And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, the Moabites, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. That's a two... That's a two-scripture nugget in the Word of God. And I was reading that, and the Lord stirred me in my spirit. And He said, the church must have the testimony of life. You know, I've quoted before that our prayers are immortal. I believe our testimonies are immortal. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I can sit down and read an A.W. Tozer who's dead been dead since 1963 open up that book and read a few pages and tears start streaming down my face because what was his life he penned on paper by the Holy Ghost, I believe. He just wrote inspired by the Holy Ghost. Even though it's not the, the, the canon of Scripture and it's not the Bible, it's a testimony of a man's life. And I weep and I cry and it takes me to my prayer closet to pray and seek God. And God said that is a testimony that has lived on. A legacy that has lived on. 
We want to have a testimony that is immortal. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that Paul said, I ran my race, I kept the faith, I finished my course, and laid up for me as a crown of righteousness. In other words, his testimony, think about it, his testimony of life, his testimony of faith was lived all during his life upon this earth, and he recorded it and penned it by the Holy Ghost. We're still reading it today, 1900 years later. So not only are our prayers are immortal, but our testimonies, I believe, are immortal. That's why you can hear somebody share a testimony about a, a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist that was used in a mighty way. And you know, we're blessed with YouTube and, and all of these social media outlets of videos from 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And you can hear an old preacher preach and it still brings tears to your eyes because the anointing has transferred through all the way to where you're at today because the testimony testimony still lives on why did I say that to you because it tells me as we read this scripture about how that the Moabites had this dead man and they threw him down in Elisha's sepulcher as soon as he crossed that threshold and that door he began to hit that body and he came alive and he revived God said tell the church amen tell the church that the world will bring their dead to your building to your church to your assembly and as soon as they cross the threshold he said life begins to come into them I've heard them say when I walked through the door I couldn't stop crying when I walked through the door I couldn't help but feel God's love when I walked through the door I knew this is where I need to be there is a door. There's people that are going to be brought across our doorway. And church, we must have the life of God so that when they come through the door, that God will begin to revive them. The testimony. Who is standing at your door and knocking? I can tell you there's a beggar. There's a brother. And there's a world that's bringing a dead man. They're dead themselves. They don't even know it, though. I had a lady when we first started the church. She come over. She said, I want to bring somebody to you. She said, my church can't help them. I said, that's the day I'd have say, que sera, sera, buddy. If my church can't help you, we got problems. Amen. Because if the problem is so bad that you don't have the money to, to provide for it or, 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 or a sickness and disease or something, then they, they can get on their face and cry out to God. I, I, what I'm saying to you is that if we can't facilitate that with what we have as our own resources, if you need money to pay your light bill, I'll give it to you. You need money for groceries, I'll give it to you. If I got it in my pocket, but if I don't have it and it seems like something that's bigger than me, I can't limit God and say, go on down the road. No, let's figure out and pray and seek God to get the answer. They're at the door brought their dead God said they're going to bring their dead amen and, and I'm not going to limit God to 
to just, you know, uh, the physically dead. You say, Pastor, I'm telling you right now, listen. People are going to come through the doors that they're spiritually dead. Every one of us were spiritually dead before we came through the doors. They're spiritually dead. But God is going to bring them across our doorway. And we need to have enough life to begin to bring life to them. You hear me? Amen. We've already seen it happen. We've already watched it happen. We've watched dead people, spiritually dead, walk through these doors. We've watched them. We've watched as the devil has shut people's mouth where they couldn't even talk, but the Spirit of God opened up their mouth. We've watched the devil possessed. God began to set them free. We've watched the drug addict come in, and they, they, they might as well have been dead. They were just a walking corpse, but they came and fell into an altar, and God set them free. Amen. The dead shall live again. Amen. The dead shall live again. It's a spiritual life. Hear me. Hear what God is saying. Amen. Don't tell me God can't do it. Pastor Lee Ship had, had uh, you know, a man, a, a family that was on their way to church. And the dad, I believe, had a massive heart attack or something right there in the car. And they, so they didn't even go to church. They drove to the hospital. They took him to the hospital and they called the church and they said, we, we need prayer now. We need immediate prayer. Immediate prayer because he's, he's not responding. There's no pulse. All of this. And the church stopped what they were doing. And they gathered and they began to pray. And they didn't stop until they got the call. Two of the assistant pastors said, God gave us a witness in our spirit. He was going to live. The doctor said, no pulse. He was out. He, whatever, red line or whatever, nothing. They said he just woke up. Right there in the hospital, just woke up. Just woke up. The doctors are like, he was, he was gone. Church, I believe we're living in the day of God's total performing word. Absolutely. Absolutely. He will hasten to perform his word. In one of the darkest hours we're living in, God is going to move miraculously. And it's going to be greater than him paying your rent or giving you a, a, you know, meeting your need or something like that. It's going to be greater than that. It's going to be greater than that. He's going to meet you spiritually. Amen. He's going to meet you spiritually. Oh, when I heard Brother David Owens, he began to pray over me. He began to prophesy over me. And he said, you're coming into your jubilee. Amen. I'm coming into my jubilee year. Praise God. Hallelujah. Spiritually, 50 never sounded or looked better. Amen. I'm so grateful. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm so grateful. When he said that, something just rose up within me in my spirit. God said, you're coming and you're turning a page. The script is going to be flipped. Amen. The chapter is going to be changed. There's many of you in here. You've been at the door, the threshold, trying to get through to the other side. And God said, I'm going to bring life to you. Amen. And you're going to walk through that door. Hallelujah. 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 What is it going to take? Well, I'm going to go to my final and closing thought. And that's when Jesus is standing at the church of the Laodiceans. And he 
said, I stand at the door and I knock. Who's on the other side of that door? The only one that can help you. The help that you need is not silver or gold. It's not something of a material nature. It's not something that's ambition in this life. But it is an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I stand at that door and I knock. And he said, if any man will open up unto me, I want you to notice he goes from addressing the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. All of those messages were to the seven churches. And he comes to the church of the Laodicean and he says, you're lukewarm. He said, you think you're rich, but you're poor. You think that you can see, but you're blind. And what he was saying is, all of these things that you think you are, you're not. You're lukewarm. But he said, if any man, he didn't say if any church, he said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man, if any man, he brings it down to an individual level where he's talking to you, he's talking to you, and he's saying, my message is to an individual. If you'll open up that door, I'll come in and we'll have supplication. There are people sitting in here for years. You were away from God and you're back today. You're back today. And guess what? You open that door to the Lord and you've got this deep relationship that God has restored. Don't you let anything come between you and him. Nothing. Nothing. Because there's going to be old friends. There's going to be people that think things are okay that you know are not okay. And God is saying unto you, you serve me, you walk with me. Because when you stand before me, you're not going to stand with your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad or your siblings or people in the church. You will stand alone. You will be there before God for yourself. It's not going to matter what the people that you made sure that you didn't want, that you wanted to impress or you were afraid afraid of. You are afraid of. Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of what they think. Let me tell you something. One of the hardest things that I ever did was do what I did during that meeting. But church, let me tell you, I'm not afraid of man. I'm not afraid of man. I don't care what they think. I've come to tell you today, your pride has to die. Your fears have to die. You've got to know today, I'm going to stand before him, but he's going to meet me on an individual level. He He's going to meet me one-on-one. And he said, I stand there and I knock. Will you open up to me? Because if you'll open up to me, I'll come in and we'll supplicate. We'll commune. We'll commune. We'll commune. Oh, my. There's nothing like encounter with God. It's awesome. It's awesome. God has restored many, several people in here. And there's some he wants to restore. But you got to let the fear of man and what people think get out of your way. You've said, I want a breakthrough. Well, I want to surrender. Well, you know what? That's going to cost you saying, I have to be care less about what people think. I'm not talking about being mean or rude or hateful, but I cannot worry about what they think. Whenever I make my calling and election sure, and I say, God, I'm going to serve you 100%, and I've got siblings that'll say to me, you're crazy. You've went all religious on us. You've went crazy extreme. No. I'm just doing what's normal. You're the one that's not what you're supposed to be. Amen. But I'm living for God. Amen. I'm living for God. I ain't got to take nothing to make myself go 
to sleep at night. I, I sleep very well. Amen. Praise God. I don't have to beat my pillow into submission. Come on. I sleep well because I've got peace. He wants to come. And he's standing at your door and he's knocking. Whether you're an, an unbeliever, a backslider, or somebody that hasn't fully surrendered all things, today is your day. You know what? God confronted you. And he said, you know what? This is my message to you because I love you. I love you. I sat in living waters the first day I was there, the first service I was there. And I sat there bitter. I sat there with my attitude. I sat there, you know, in the chair, not even wanting to be there. You know, and I sat there and that man of God stood up behind the pulpit on a Sunday night and he preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I'm sitting there and he was talking about unforgiveness and all of these things and hurt feelings and all this. And I'm sitting there and in my mind, I'm responding to him. And every response I gave, he began to have an answer. And I said, God, he doesn't know what happened to me. He said, I don't care what happened to you. I said, well, I was hurt. He said, I don't care if you were hurt. And I thought, man, I'm all the way at the back behind one of these poles. For surely he can't see me, my face. And I said, but Lord, it was my family. He said, I don't care if it was your family, your dad, your mom, your pastor. He hit them all. He said, you need to forgive you can't go to heaven like that. Amen. If you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. I sat there and I just, I started crying. I thought, Lord, I don't want to be here. He said, I brought you here. Because honestly, you needed a spiritual punch in the face. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. But I needed it. Amen. He said, I'm not going to come over and rub your face tonight. I'm going to come over and I'm going to say, hey, what's wrong with you? You've always forgiven and now all of a sudden you can hold it in because you've convinced yourself in your mind that it's okay. <laughs> I turned around in that altar. I was in my chair. I wasn't going to go to the front. I thought, Lord, what else is he going to tell me about myself? <laughs> I turned in that chair. Oh, Joe Lopez. Oh, Joe Lopez. He's an angel from heaven, I'm telling you. He come over, laid his hand on me. Oh, he cries as he prays. <laughs> he cries as he prays. I just felt the spirit of God. What God was saying is, I brought you here. You were confronted at this door, and I'm, I'm knocking on that door. Are you going to let me in? And I began to open that door, and I said, God, please help me. I feel this way. I feel this way. I can't help that I feel this way, okay? But you have to help me, okay? You've confronted me with it. I accept it, okay? Now you're going to have to give me the power to overcome this. You know, I think sometimes we think, how am I going to do this? God's going to have to do it through you. 
He's going to have to be the one that's going to give you the grace and by the power of his spirit to do what you cannot do. Believe me, I've been there. I know. I've been spaded through in my life. I know the healing of God's power and his grace. And so he stands at that door and he knocks and he says, are you going to overcome all of these things? Because I'm here to supplicate with you and spend time with you and commune with you. Every time I go to the Lord in prayer, I get in that altar. And guess what happens? What you cannot do, God does in you. And the law of love, the law of God's love. You know, we talk about laws. I'm not talking about Moses' law. I'm talking about something that is a force that, that is absolutely irresistible or it's absolutely something that you cannot deny. It's a power. The law of love comes up. It's the Holy Ghost. The law of love comes up. And he begins to give you a love and a power to forgive and love. That's the only way it happens. He gives you that power to love him, to surrender all things. What you couldn't do. I'm telling you, I had a warfare on that platform. There was a war going on on that platform. But God said, it's, it's you or Isaac. It's me and you, Abraham. This ain't about, you got to lay your Isaac down. And your Isaac's your pride, your embarrassment, your history. Amen. Leave it there, son. Amen. I know deliverance from perversion, from lust. I know deliverance. He's faithful. And you know what, church? God wants to do that in you and I. He stands at that door. And he says, will you let me in? Maybe this morning he's talking to you about your personal relationship. Maybe this morning he's talking to you about something that you haven't done as a Christian that you should do. You've left the beggar out there. You've had what what they needed and you didn't give it to them. Maybe you've had... Somebody come to your door and you've said, you know what, God, I want to help them, but I don't have what I need to help them. God said, I'm going to give you what you have need of. And everybody knows this house must be a house of prayer and a house of God's power and his presence. That when the dead come through the door, the spiritual dead come through the door, I've watched them as the spirit of God hit them like a lightning bolt. And they couldn't contain themselves. Life. That's what God is after. That's why we must stay unified. That's why we must stay in prayer. That's why we must seek the face of God. Because we have the powerful answer that they need. And if we don't have it, if the church isn't the church, where's the world going to find God? He planted us here and established his church. All hell beats against it to try to stop it. Because the church is the absolute representation of Christ and his body. Okay? We don't always act like that, but that's what it's supposed to be. And when it functions like it's supposed to, when they walk through the door, what they need, Jesus. Jesus will heal them. Amen. You know I'm telling you. Amen.
Father, today, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. You are such a mighty and an awesome God. You're so holy, you're so wonderful. And Lord, as we come to this time at the end of the service, I'm seeking you today that you would minister to whoever today. I'm not going to beg anybody to come to the altar. I'm, I'm not even going to do anything but just simply sit here and sing and pray. And I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to ask God that you do the work that only you can do. Today, minister in this house. Minister in this house. Thank you, Jesus.